Letters from a Glass House is a not-for-profit ministry of the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Venice, Florida. Support us today at UUCOV.org. We all use the word hope for big things and for little. Oh, I'm going to have a grandbaby. I hope the baby's a girl. I, I hope it's healthy. I hope Billy asks me to the dance. I hope Margaret doesn't serve meatloaf again. Every day, people all over the world use that word. To cherish a desire with anticipation. That's hope. The feeling that what is wanted can be had, or that things will turn out for the best. If faith is that which you dare to believe can be true, then hope is indeed the anticipation that it will be true. They feed one another. They can't exist without one another. We talk a lot about how to find faith. We get bombarded with that from every Christian, Muslim, Jewish, everybody wants to tell us how we can find some kind of faith. We don't get bombarded with how we find hope. Bill Schultz is past president of the UUA. He's also past president of Amnesty International. Very distinguished man, and if you want to know terror, take preaching class from him. <laughs> Ask me how I know. He asked us as a group of seminarians a few years ago a question, and Bill, for those of you who've never seen him, is very dignified very distinguished silver hair, close-cut beard. And he has a wonderful commanding voice, and he said to us, if I were to go, as I have so many times, to sit with those who have been tortured, who have seen the worst humanity has to offer, what source of hope could I give to them in a world filled with despair, tell me, tell me why I should get up tomorrow morning, why they should get up tomorrow morning. Now you talk about a sense of perspective. Any smart aleck answer, any easy college answer, went right out the window in the face of that question. But to answer the question, you have to look at how we learn to hope. A baby doesn't hope. A baby doesn't have much of a concept of anticipation, right? If you've ever played peekaboo with a little one, cover the eyes, the world disappears. When they take the covering away, it's like, it's a miracle. What sorcery is this? It's all come back. 
They laugh and they clap and they want to do it over and over and each time it's a miracle. Each time they are utterly amazed. In formal language, object permanence, they don't have it. When things go dark, they are gone. When they reappear, it's a miracle. They have no hope. They live in a world of amazement. But as human babies grow, the idea of desire or want takes root. And of course, a toddler's sense of the future is about nine seconds long. That's all they can stand. They see mom or dad or an elder sibling with cookies. They want the cookies. They dance around. They have their hand out. Give me the cookies. They anticipate the cookie that they get every day when they get home from school. They learn that. They learn that cookies happen when they get off the school bus or when mom or dad brings them in. And because they learn to anticipate, they begin to have faith in the presence of the cookies. Because the cookies keep happening. And if their faith is rewarded long enough, eventually they learn to hope for more cookies, for better cookies, like the ones they saw in the store. They no longer just want, they no longer just dare to believe, they've dared long enough and it's happened over and over. They want something joyfully now. They have hope. They have real anticipation. And if mom or dad or parent keeps buying the cookies, and the cookies keep coming, and sometimes they're really, really good ones, that child learns that hope is real. That it's safe to have hope. That it's reasonable and worthwhile. But what happens when something goes wrong? What happens when the cookies stop before a child dares to believe they will be there and so there is no faith? Or if the child develops faith that there will be cookies and then they stop, well, hope fails. That metaphor works no matter what the age But in a world where cynicism sometimes seems to be everywhere, where bad things happen, we can keep hope from failing. As you use, we affirm and promote seven principles, worth and dignity, justice, equity and compassion, acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth, free and responsible search for truth and meaning, the right of conscience and the use of democratic process, the goal of world community, peace, liberty, and justice, and respect for that interdependent web. For many of us, our own faith, what we dare to believe can be true in the world, it arises from these principles. We ask ourselves questions about the nature of the ultimate 
and the nature of humanity about life and death and how to be with one another. And when we find what we believe, we not only believe it, we believe it because we feel that it can happen. That the world is as we understand it to be. And we can cherish our anticipation and hope for the realization of our vision of reality. Without faith, without daring to believe that something can be true, there's no hope. They're too intimately connected. But our faith, our hope, can bring hope to those who have none. One of my very favorite stories about the creation of hope is the story of Reverend Fred Shuttlesworth. That name might not be as familiar as others like Martin Luther King Jr., Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Reverend Fred Shuttlesworth was a U.S. civil rights activist who led the fight against segregation and racism as a minister in Birmingham, Alabama, and then in Cincinnati, Ohio. He was co-founder of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, founded and was instrumental in the 1963 Birmingham campaign and continued to work against racism and for alleviation of the problems of the homeless in Cincinnati. He helped Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. during the Civil Rights Movement and was given an acceptance award to visit Dr. King at any time. The Birmingham Shuttlesworth International Airport was named in his honor in 2008. So what did this man do, this Reverend Shuttlesworth? He brought hope that it would actually be possible to live in a better world of all thriving together. In May of 56, Shuttlesworth and Ed Gardner established the Alabama Christian Movement for Human Rights. They took up work formerly done by the NAACP. They wanted to work through education and protest and litigation to end racism. And for the first time, maybe both black and white people believed it could be done. Knowing that on December 26th of 1956, the group would try to challenge racism laws, someone decided that they would tape 16 sticks of dynamite under his window on the night of December 12th. The house blew up. Dr. Freddy walked out of the rubble of the front door almost entirely unharmed. He ran into a police officer sent to see about the mess, and the officer was a member of the local clan. He advised the reverend, if I were you, I'd get out of town as quick as I could, and Shuttlesworth told him to tell the clan, I'm not leaving, and I wasn't saved to run. He then held in his hands the hope of his community not only faith that he would succeed, but real belief. In 57, he and Dr. King, Reverend Abernathy, Reverend Joseph Lowry from Mobile, Alabama, Reverend T.J. Jemison from Baton Rouge, K.C. Steele from Tallahassee, Florida, A.L. Davis from New Orleans, Bayard Rustin, Ella Baker. Together, they founded the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Not one hair of one head of one person should be harmed. That was their motto. Even though Shuttlesworth's personality was combative, headstrong, and let me tell you, some things say that he was sometimes blunt-spoken, 
to the point that he frequently antagonized his colleagues. Even then, he kept going. He was angry about those who gave flowery speeches but didn't act on them. He alienated some members of his congregation by doing as much as he did with civil rights, but he kept going. In 61, he moved to Cincinnati and took up the Revelation Baptist Church. He was absolutely fearless, even though he was aware of the risks. And Shuttlesworth said, I will kill segregation or be killed with it. For those who heard him speak, it was amazing. After beating, beating, beatings, more beatings, he was still there. Someone cared. Someone was working for them. Someone had faith. The world could be different. And his faith created hope where there had never been any before. Hope isn't created by some divine agency or given to people with some specific gift. It's the work of dirty human hands. It's the work of human hearts. It's active. It ebbs and flows. On March 19th of 2006, I was at the Greater New Light Baptist Church to hear Reverend Shuttlesworth preach his final sermon. He was a little man. He was stooped over, had to be helped onto the stage. But he was resplendent in a pale pink shirt and crisp pocket square, and the applause went on forever. Women in the congregation and some men, too, started to cry. After saying that he was never as good at religion as he could be, he gave an amazing sermon about the use of the human mind. He reminded his audience, you can't just unscrew a human mind and drop a new thought in. He talked about becoming part of a great communal mind headed by Jesus in his understanding, but one that would work toward the betterment of all. And he gave a call to go forward bravely despite dynamite or brass knuckles, living in the hope that you have done right, and this will bring healing to the world. Self-reinforcing hope. People loved it, and I guess it didn't hurt that he kept reminding them that he was dynamite-proof. <laughs> Bill Schultz asks a serious question. In a world filled with despair, tell me why I should get up tomorrow. Why should those who've suffered get up tomorrow? And I'll tell you the answer, or at least one answer. You get up because human hands, powered by a belief in a better world, working every day to be a source of hope, can create miracles for themselves and the world. You can be eight or 88 or 108, and your hope, your refusal to give up and see the world as dark and ugly can make the change. How do you give hope to the hopeless? You dare to believe in a world where your vision is the correct one and you refuse to change your mind on that. Where failure is not an option and where hope never ends. Amen.